Thank you for joining us today and a big thank you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. Karen and I have been trialing their designs for a few months and we can happily recommend them. All designs are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Hi there, we're nearly at Christmas and today is a bonus episode where we're going to be talking about how you can be a healthy runner over Christmas. It's so easy to lose focus on run training and a healthy body composition. Um, Typically, we tend to get a bit more relaxed about our food and drink and our training in the run up to Christmas and also through to the new year. Uh, The upside of that is we can have lots of fun. The downside is that maybe we'll start the new year feeling sluggish and a little bit overweight. So today's episode is all about how you can have some easy strategies to put in place so that you can make sure your food, your alcohol intake and your training are maintained over the Christmas holidays. So we hope you find today's episode useful. It is based on content that we shared last year, um, but let's face it, we all face the same challenges every festive holiday. So uh, let's hope it helps us again. Hello and welcome to She Runs, Eats, Performs, the podcast for female runners of all abilities. Please join Karen Campbell and Aileen Smith, nutritionist friends and runners, who are here to help you translate sports nutritional science into easy to apply tips and plans, helping you enjoy peak running performance. And especially adding in the female factors every woman needs to know to be a healthy runner. The suggestions we make during this episode are for guidance and advice only, and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. If you'd like help from Karen and Ailey to design a personalised sports nutrition plan for your running, please contact them at Runners Health Hub. Welcome everyone, I'm Aileen and I'm here again with Karen and as always we're going to start by sharing something personal about our nutrition or our running before we move on to our topic today um, which is called running into Christmas. So I can't quite believe that we're in December already which means that Christmas is fast approaching. Um, so Karen, I have a question today really staying on the topic of Christmas. I was just wondering what your running plans are over the festive period. Have you got a race planned or how does it change? Do you, do you reduce or you stop running at all? Yes, well, hi, everybody, first of all. Um, I have to say, no, Aileen, I don't have a race coming up over um, the Christmas period, which is a shame because actually I think it would be quite a fun thing to do. And you do hear of people doing all these different um, types of runs. Some are fun runs, some are more serious runs. And I think it would um, it would be quite, quite good fun. I'm saying that many years ago I did actually complete a 10k on New Year's Day and I really I really enjoyed that actually it was just great way to start the year and um, but now we tend to to go skiing sort of just after Christmas Day so a race is is impossible 
but I have to say it's not going to stop me running uh, because I do have a race on the 23rd of January. It's a 6.2k, which is a really odd distance. I know I've got no idea why it's 6.2k, but it is. Um, but I would really like to be running that race fast because it's not too far. I want to try and really look at my my speed. So that's where my training will be focused over the festive season is really trying to get my my speed up to speed. <laughs> So to speak. But how about you, Aileen? Do you have any events booked or, um, you know, does your your training schedule uh, change over the Christmas period at all? Um, no, I don't think there's anything booked. Um, I think my next race will be mid-February, which is a 10K. Um, I do like to get outdoors over the Christmas holidays, um, particularly if the weather's nice. So you just got to grab the nice days when you can. Um Last year, I did do a run on Christmas Day, which is quite unusual for me. But I think that was because we were in lockdown and um, Christmas was more or less cancelled in the UK. And so pretty much the only way to socialise on Christmas Day was to go out. And, you know, I met with some friends and we had a nice little run. It was a bit icy, but very sunny. Um, and it was it was a nice thing to do, like you say. And, you know, you do hear about people doing, you know, the Santa run and things like that. Um, so, yeah, it's always nice to look out for them. And if you're somewhere where you can join in, it's, it's a nice thing to do. Um, but other than that, you know, um, no, nothing particularly. Uh, I sort of don't go mad. I just like try to keep active, really, over the Christmas holidays. Um, so as I was saying earlier, you know, Christmas is fast approaching, a bit too fast, if you ask me, uh, because it's just around the corner. Um, and I thought that it might be a good time to consider um, everybody thinking about their running and their nutrition leading up to the festive time. So, you know, often by the time we get into mid-December, people are partying and uh, everybody's extra super busy. Um, and, you know, sometimes our running and our nutrition gets pushed to one side. Um, so particularly this year, you know, we're, we're all really looking forward to having some fun and parties and celebrating since uh, we were a bit limited last year. Um, the problem that people often have at this time of year as I say with holding you know maybe putting on pause their nutrition and their running is that when they abandon these healthy practices it can lead to weight gain um, we can suffer with poor energy and sluggishness and ultimately that does affect our running performance um, you know you might not notice it at the time but maybe the aftermath is not so good. Um, so today, what we'd like to do is give everybody some hints and tips on three key areas of health so that you can run into and through Christmas without any problems. So we're going to be talking about eating, drinking and running. So let's start with with eating. Um, but I, I just wanted Karen, um, with regards to everyone keeping healthy and fit over the Christmas period, is there any evidence-based information on people's exercises, um, eating and exercises over the, the holiday period? 
Yes, well, as everybody will know, we do like to try and source um, research evidence to help inform our recommendations really on all our subjects that we discuss here, don't we, Aileen? So Christmas is no exception. And I have to say, I did manage to find some interesting data and statistics that I thought would be quite interesting to share. So did you know that over half of the increase in body weight during adulthood is thought to take place during the Christmas holiday period, which I think is quite phenomenal. And um, the average weight gain during this period appears to be between 0.5 kilograms to one kilogram. So that's one to two pounds if you're still in the the, the um, imperial form of um, weight. And it would also appear that weight gained at this time, and this is for some but not all, is never fully lost. So and and it does seem like 0.5 kilograms to one kilogram seems to be quite a small amount that's gained. But when you're looking at that over 10 years, if, say, the weight isn't fully lost, I, that is equals a gain of about five to 10 kilograms. And now that is significant. So it's I suppose that's um, it shows that it can just creep on gradually. And then all of a sudden, a few years later, you think, oh, my God, what happened there? You know, and there's there's this weight gain. So um, so I thought that was they were quite interesting statistics, Aileen. Yeah, they certainly are. And I think that um, description weight creeping on is something that people <laughs> we all sort of like is this, this is a surprise you know I don't know how this happened yes exactly so that that statistic Karen is that just based on the UK population actually no no it isn't it appears um, that it occurs in in many countries including um the ones that were speaking about in this article I was I was reading was Australia um North America um, lots of different countries within Europe and also Japan. Now, that was a bit of a surprise to me because really historically, um, the Japanese have been seen to be a very slim nation. Although, you know, I do think that appears to be changing now and in modern times. And when I was there, was it one or two years ago? Um, I, I observed that for myself and it was quite surprising. So, um, so yeah. Yeah, yeah I think um, in, you know, the Asian countries, because the Western diet is mm -hmm. being adopted, um, they're, they're beginning to experience what we we as a population have too. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, it's all very interesting, Karen. And I suppose it's fairly easy to work out why weight gain occurs during the, this sort of festive period, which, you know, for a lot of people, stretches over two to three weeks. So it's not just Christmas Day. Um, so I, I guess uh, the things that can happen uh, that contribute to weight gain are, you know, reduced exercise, maybe because we just don't have time to fit it in. Um, maybe it's because there's more availability of sort of really energy dense foods so we're thinking of high calorific foods so the cake the mince pie the christmas pudding and alcohol you know we might be drinking alcohol every day um often people are eating bigger food portions uh we're socializing more um so you know there's a there's a lot going on really um but karen i was just wondering does the research suggest that the weight gain is principally linked to an increase of energy intake, so eating more food alongside a reduced energy output due to less exercise, or are there any other reasons? 
Well, what you say, Aileen, uh, really is exactly what the research is suggesting and and the underlying reasons appear to be this extended holiday period. For most people, not everybody manages to get the time off over, over Christmas, but a lot of people do. So like you were speaking about, there's less activity and also incidental um, activity as well. So when we're going to work, there tends to be more movement. So there's a lot less of that. Also, the overconsumption that you mentioned, you know, it is thought that, thought that individuals could consume up to 6,000 calories per day. Now, that is three times the recommended daily intake in, in the UK alone. So the average is um, 2,000. And, and clearly, that is going to to vary that sort of ballpark measure and and actually for some people it could be four times the recommended intake and I'm thinking here of people who are maybe trying to to lose weight also older people who don't need the same amount of of calories and also sort of women who have moved through menopause so um, that's a huge amount of calories in one day and if that is being done over several days that's that's a huge amount and then sedentary behavior so people are more relaxed they're more sociable and again that leads to um that reduction in physical activity and also sleep you know we often speak about not enough sleep don't we and the effects of of that regarding stress but some studies not all um, have shown that individuals tend to sleep more during uh, during the winter generally, which is then suggests that there's less physical activity performed because there's more time spent sleeping, and that's sort of both incidental and sort of the scheduled activity, so the the running or swimming or whatever it is you do. So. Um, now, like I say, this isn't everyone. Some people don't really change their eating and exercise habits at all during this period of time. And I know a few people who are a bit like that. But I have to say, I think they're more in the minority than the majority. Most of us change our, our routines and are a bit more sedentary and eat a bit more. Yeah, yeah, I think I agree with all of the things you said there. You can really uh, identify with all of those. <laughs> um, and maybe some of the extra sort of factors that might contribute to Christmas weight gain. We've already mentioned that there are, there are we eat more energy dense food, particularly the Christmas types of foods like the mince pie and the Christmas pudding. Um, but I think also because these foods are available for a sort of a limited period, you know, for the few days mm. of Christmas, we tend to overindulge just because, well, it's only Christmas, but we, we have more of it. Mm. Um, and then I think also there is a sort of family friend peer pressure to eat and drink and people say well it is Christmas you know we can do this we can have that and I think that's that's very common so you know people can throw caution to the wind and, and just join in with everybody and I really noticed that um, I've had quite a lot of Christmas holidays uh, abroad and um, I, I've quite enjoyed it actually because it gets you away from the madness of Christmas <laughs> Yes. Um, but what I've really noticed is when you come back and you see people, you know, at the beginning of January who have totally overindulged for a couple of weeks, they look so ill. Yes. Well, I just, it's a real shocker. And, but I really noticed that. And, um, and it makes me glad that I sort of isolate Christmas to a couple of days, yeah. enjoy it, but it doesn't, you know, 
make me ill. (laughs) Absolutely. That's a really interesting point, Aileen, you know, to be away from the situation and then come back and just see the change in individuals because of maybe lack of exercise and and overindulgence. Yeah, sure. Yeah, not a very nice thought. Anyway, um, so now, Karen, we've, we've sort of, you've given us some informed understanding about why people might gain weight over Christmas. So um, shall we go through some hints and tips to help everybody avoid that occurring this year? Um, So if we think about food first, and then we'll go on to talk about alcohol later. So Karen, what would your food tips be for everyone? And, And have you got any ideas that you use yourself at this time of year? Well, actually, Eileen, I have to admit, and I think I've maybe admitted this before, that I do love most of the foods that um, come onto the shelves uh, at Christmas time, and they're on the shelves um, really early. So, sort of even in in November, I was finding I could I could buy mince pies if I wanted, and and I have to say, I love mince pies and I love Christmas cakes. So, you know, they are they are my downfall. So some tips I'll share with you um, are things that I inc- I introduce myself. Now, one of them is that I tend to follow the 80-20 rule. Um, so eating healthy 80% of the time and then indulging in something um, that I enjoy or any of us enjoy um, 20% of the time. Now, this could be observed on a daily basis. So having a small amount of, say, a Christmas food, so to speak, that you like on a daily basis. And that's OK if you're following the 80-20 um, rule. And that is the one that I tend to follow. You know, I will indulge in something each day, but I manage my portion control, uh, which really leads into my tip number two is about managing portion control. So remembering that plate balance that we speak about so often, that quarter of plate of protein, quarter of a plate of carbs and half a plate of vegetable. Now, I think this is a a really simple but essential and effective way of really helping to manage the weight gain over the Christmas period. So portion control, really key. But also making your own food. I think by making your own sweet and savoury foods over the Christmas period, you can manage what ingredients you use. You know, you can also adapt lots of recipes and substitute certain ingredients for healthier options. So, for example, a really easy one would be go with um, a honey or maple syrup something like that just to to keep it keep it healthy and just remain mindful when making food choices I think often food choices and endless activity and that's when the overeating um, can occur now I have to say my husband's a typical He'll sit at a table and he'll be chatting whilst he's helping himself to food, but not really thinking about how much or the combinations that he's putting together. It's really interesting watching him. And and I have an example, actually, the other day we had family over for Sunday brunch. So there were lots of different types of foods on the table. And, And firstly, he was eating 
granola and yogurt with a fork, which I had to point out. And it must have been really tough to, to try and pick up this yogurt and and and, um, and and granola with a fork. And it did, because I pointed it out to him and it did make us all laugh. And then later he started to eat the smoked salmon and then put fig preserve on it that was laid out with the cheese. And it was like, what are you doing? What kind of a combination is that? And I have to say, he had absolutely no idea about any of it, of what he had done until until it was pointed out. And um, and and also, I hope he's not listening to this. I don't know what he'd be saying. And um, and and because I also find that he just doesn't seem to have a stop button. You know, quite often he only stops when he feels completely bloated or the food is finished, so you can't have any more. And I think this is really, really typical of mindless eating. Well, I'm, I'm surprised that you've not shared the uh, healthy balance plate with him, Karen. That's obviously where you're going wrong. Yes, clearly. Training session. Yes, clearly, clearly. And the thing is that the, that the food that's on the table is is balanced you know there's always plenty of vegetables and and um protein and, and ca- carbohydrates there but it's it's how he eats and what he does with the food and the, the combination it's really really interesting but but yeah it really showed me um or was a typical example for me of mindless eating i thought oh my god yeah so what about you do you have any tips you could add here really well thinking about tips for mindful eating um, I think you know first of all making time to eat so um, sitting at the table is a good way of doing it thinking about the reason for choosing a particular food and that might be anything from pleasure to taste to how it'll help fuel you for your next run um, thinking about how the food makes you feel is it sat- satisfying will it energize you um, so you know what just you know make those sort of observations I use a little app um I think you we've used it and shared it with other people before Karen the eight app Mm -hmm. eight and that's a a, a, there for mindful eating so you you take um for photos of your food uh, but it asks you little questions like where were you why did you eat um was it homemade did it make you feel satisfied or were you happy with your food and it just sort of over time it builds up a picture in your mind about making the right choices so that's a, a useful thing to use well, maybe um, Fraser to use that well start, start I think start small Karen start small yes. <laughs> you might feel you're trying to manage him <laughs> okay so so getting back to Christmas particularly um so some tips around um, eating at Christmas so, or over the prolonged festive period. So my, my main tip is don't skip breakfast. Um, if you do, it can lead to you making poor food choices or eating um, too much later on in the day. Uh, if you get hungry and miss a meal, you might uh, have a blood sugar dip and that sort of leads you to grab the sweet and sugary foods. So you know, even if you're getting up a bit later and your routine's a little bit disturbed, still have breakfast or brunch and make sure that it's uh, satisfying. Um, and make it a protein-rich breakfast for for all the reasons that we've just mentioned. It'll keep you fuller for longer. It'll reduce the risk of snacking and nibbling, particularly on the less healthy foods that tend to be lying around or, you know, available, shall we say, 
So the tins of chocolates, the children's selection boxes, the mince pies, the Christmas cakes, you know, all of the nibbly things that we seem to have like a, almost like a running buffet, don't we? (laughs) With things that are available. Um, And I I work with some people in, in, in business and they they also say you know everybody brings food into work and so particularly at the Christmas period you know so running down the center of the office there's lots of things to nibble on so you need to need to avoid those kind of things so don't skip breakfast make sure it's protein rich and the next tip would be to avoid grazing and I think if you have good uh, plate balance and regular meals you won't be tempted to graze as much so you know if you are with family or friends try to influence when you're going to have meals and healthier snacks and that will help manage your blood sugar and appetite so rather than just nibbling your way through the day um, try to have some kind of structure um Another tip would be if you, you know, during the the Christmas period, if you find that you've got too much food around, maybe you could share that food or um, give some food to other friends and families. So particularly foods that you don't want to overeat on. So particularly if you find it's difficult to ration yourself with the chocolates and cakes, maybe sharing them with friends and neighbours might be a solution. or if you know people are happy to eat these foods on an odd occasion, maybe they're the people that you can uh, give those types of foods to. Um, so I always like when I've had friends around for dinner and there's any dessert left, I, I, I give everybody a slice of, or a bowl to take away with them and then the, the leftovers aren't um, winking at me every time I open the fridge. Yeah, um, and also I think when, there's, when there is leftover food or, or you've over-catered, um think about well how can I use it so you know maybe you could freeze it so you know just box it up put it in the freezer and have it later so you don't feel that you you're overwhelmed with all this food and you've got to eat it um so you can defrost as you as you go over the next you know one to three months and, and enjoy the food later on so that there would be my tips, Karen. Yeah, thanks for that, Aileen. So, so really, as we can all see, these are these are really simple tips, but they can be really effective in managing that uh, Christmas feasting, can't they? So, um, Aileen, shall we? Now move on and think about drinking through Christmas. And again, I have some more little factoids for you to to share with you. So did you know that almost two thirds, so that's 61% of drinkers, so people who drink in the UK, claim they overindulge on alcohol over the festive season. So most of us, basically. And one in five, so that's 18% of drinkers, say they typically experience more hangovers during this period as well and um, it would appear that on average men admit to consuming six drinks on Christmas day and that's on the basis that um, those are common strength pint of beer or maybe a medium glass of wine if we were to look at that as the basis then that's the equivalent of 14 units of alcohol in one day which is actually the recommendation for alcohol intake over a week. Wow. So it is quite quite significant and um 
So so men admit to consuming six drinks on Christmas Day, uh, whilst women um, admit to drinking an average of four and a half drinks on Christmas Day. So slightly less, but still overindulging. Um, and so, yeah, that's the average that many people may be drinking more perhaps over over quite a few days. So that's just on Christmas Day. So when you think if people are overindulging over the, the Christmas period, that's a significant amount of alcohol being consumed, which would feed into you saying, Aileen, that you go away and you come back and people look quite ill mm-hmm. um, um, following that festive period. Yeah, I mean, it, what you've described there is uh, sort of quite shocking, but not surprising. Um, so, yeah, almost sobering. Excuse the pun, yes. but um, yeah, not not surprising. So, where did you get that information from, Karen? Well, that data was actually taken from um, a particular survey that was commissioned by the charity Drink Aware. You, you might have heard of them um, or maybe seen their name linked to adverts about alcohol. I I saw their name the other day on an advert for. Uh, champagne it, it they weren't saying anything it was just their name was there at the bottom of the advert so i suppose although advertising enjoy the the, the alcohol just having drink aware there was helping people to still be mindful about how much they drink um, and and they're actually um, a, a charity that are based in Ireland but online you can access lots of different tools such as leaflets and books they've got videos and quizzes and lots of other resources really to support healthy alcohol consumption at all times of the year so so I would say if you are currently looking to to try and manage your alcohol consumption over Christmas or, or just generally, really, or maybe you know somebody who may benefit from some sort of guidance ar- around their alcohol intake, you could point them towards the, the Drink Aware website. So I, I find it really helpful, really useful. Mm, yeah, I think it is. I've, I've used, I've looked at the app before. I haven't necessarily needed it for myself. It is quite interesting, the app. Uh, mm-hmm. So I definitely recommend people uh, have a look at it. Um, yes. And uh, yeah, it's a really great resource. So thanks for highlighting that. And you mentioned earlier, Karen, that, um, you know, the, the survey that Drink Aware did um, noted the differences in alcohol intake between men and women at Christmas time. But I'm just wondering if there are any female factors that we should be considering uh, regarding alcohol. Um, yeah, so just a couple, really, um, I would say that's worth mentioning. So on average, women who drink, um, drink less alcohol on Christmas Day than men, as we've just sort of highlighted. And also um, now the alcohol intake guidance is the same for females as it is for for men. It used to be that men... um, drunk could could drink more than women but now it's the same which is no more than 14 units per week um spread over three or more days so it's not like 14 units in one go sort of spreading it out over at least three days now also women have less lean muscle mass than men throughout adulthood and therefore are less able to metabolize 
alcohol throughout their lives. So, and even more so as they get older. So really what that's saying is that women consuming the same amount of alcohol as men might experience the physical and psychological effects of alcohol more quickly and more severely than men. So I think that's worth worth pointing out. And also, um, women could gain weight more readily than men following the same intake of food, um, principally due to um, the, the the hormonal influences that, that um, women have more so than men. And again, especially women in midlife and transitioning through menopause. But those would be the, the, the key ones that I think are worth mentioning here, really. Great. So um, that's that's just interesting to get some context, isn't it? Mm. So let's look at some tips now to help everybody uh, drink over Christmas in a responsible way. Um, so um, some simple ideas that I have, and we've probably shared in other episodes. Um, one thing would be to, for every alcoholic drink, um, have a glass of water alongside it. And that could not only reduce the amount of alcohol overall, because you you know, you're having more liquid, um, but you're also going to reduce the dehydration associated with alcohol. So uh, just think about keeping a jug of water close at hand if you're entertaining at home or with, with friends and family. Uh, and if you're out at an event, ask for a jug of water on the table. So um, it, I think it's just if it's there, you tend to sip it. And that's uh, a really good thing to do. Um, another thing that you could think about doing is having some non non-alcoholic alternatives um, for you and your guests because you know not everybody wants to drink alcohol every single time um, so there's loads of um, varieties out there of wine spirits and beers uh, that you can take advantage of so it is uh, really easy um, some of the brands that you might want to look at um, so there's a company called Clean Co. Uh, so they focus on spirits and cocktails and you'll find them in lots of high street supermarkets in the UK. So um, Sainsbury's and Morrison's uh, in particular. So it's very easy to get hold of. Um, I like something called Seedlip. Um, Seedlip is um, a sort of almost like a non-alcoholic botanical. So it's like a almost like a gin alternative and they've got different types of um flavorings if you like um and you can get that just about everywhere you can even get it in pubs now um so if you if you're out for a drink and you want to have you know you feel as though it's something special it's just as expensive as gin i have to point out but at least it's an alternative um and then a couple of other um brands that people could look out uh one's called uh, ariel and Frey. they have a, a lovely range of non-alcoholic wines um the, the two different companies um they're both from california and you can buy that online via amazon and karen i know you've been looking at um a beer a non-alcoholic beer company would you like to tell us about them Yes, absolutely. When I was sort of just doing doing a bit of um, rooting around and a bit of research, Aileen, I came across this athletic brewing company. I don't know if anybody's heard of them. And they do different beers. They have Golden, Pale and IPA. So, um, so 
yeah, for those who are interested and know the beers, I don't know a lot about beers, but they do the gold and the pale and the IPA. And um, and as far as I'm aware, you have to purchase them directly online. I don't think they actually have any stockists at the moment. Whether this happens in the in the future, I'm not sure. And I, and I do think it's a, it's a great name. And really, the story behind the name is is quite interesting. It was founded by a chap called um, Bill Schufelt who started to evaluate his health and fitness as he was sort of, I think he was progressing through marriage and fatherhood and all of this, and he was just reassessing his life. And so he decided to completely cut out alcohol from his diet. Now, he said that he never looked back regarding his health and fitness, but it did highlight to him a real gap in the market because when he went out socialising, he still liked to go out socialising, he just found all the alcoholic alternative choices were dull and bland or flavourless. They were watery. So Athletic Brewing Company was born. He decided he would he would sort of do his research and, and work alongside people who could produce some really interesting um, non-alcoholic beers. Now, it is um, based in the States. However, there is a UK division that's based in London. So, um, so when you look on look at the website you can tell that it is clearly aimed at, at the active individual so he's really um promoting um an active life um but still being able to go out socializing and enjoying a beer but it's not going to affect performance so i thought that was really clever and really interesting yeah it is and it's good to know of a, a new company i've not heard of them before so thank no. you for sharing that yeah, exactly. I hadn't heard of them either until I started investigating. So anyway, so um, just sort of a couple of other additional tips for drinking through Christmas that you could consider includes um, using a measure for your spirits and wine, um, you know, sort of. We tend to just free pour, don't we? So maybe trying to move away from that could help make it um it, you you can just keep tabs on how much you're drinking because I think when you free pour, it can make it almost impossible to know exactly how much you're drinking. And interestingly, you can actually order a free wine and spirit measure um, online via the Drinkaware charity that we mentioned earlier. So um, so that could be an option for some people. And the other thing you could consider is downsizing your your drink by serving it in a smaller glass. It's a bit like when we speak about eating and downsizing our plates um, to a smaller plate so that there isn't so much on the plate. The same with drinking, just downsizing um, the glass. And this could make a huge dif difference. And I think especially when drinking wine, because as we know, wine glasses just seem to be getting bigger and bigger. I think you could almost get back, get a half a bottle of wine in a glass these days, but we've just had one glass of wine. So um, I think maybe reverting back to that traditional size of um, glass or to the white wine size of glass could be a good idea. And also another tip would be to try and avoid topping up your glass or letting anyone else top up your glass. Try and finish a drink before you then pour another. And then that way you can track exactly how much you're, you're taking in, how much you're drinking over the course of the evening much more easily. So Aileen, is there anything else that you would add here before we move on? Um, yeah, a couple of things. So I would say remember to eat before you 
you drink alcohol um, and apply that whether you're entertaining at home or, or going out to socialise. So drinking on a, an empty stomach is known to sort of hasten the um, the physical effects of, of alcohol. You know, we, we all know that we shouldn't drink on an empty stomach, but it's just really a, a reminder um not to do that. Um, remember that alcohol's got a very high sugar content, and so that will contribute significantly to weight gain. And you know, just you're almost like, you know, if you're going to be drinking every day, that's quite a significant thing to consider. Um, so for me personally, um, I, I, my sort of rule is only to drink in the evening, uh, except on Christmas Day. You know, I might have a drink during the day, um, but the rest of the time. You know, I'll only drink alcohol in the evening. And obviously that it automatically cuts down the amount of hours of the day that you're drinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, usually you'll have eaten beforehand. Um, I think it's a really good thing to try and plan some alcohol-free days between Christmas and New Year. Um, again, that's just going to break everything up and it's going to help your body uh, reset. Uh, and just really look to the, the the after effects. Think about the side effects of overconsumption of alcohol and how it might impact on your running performance. So we, we did an episode on this uh, a while ago. It might have even been in the summer. Um, but you know, thinking about how it might affect um, hydration. So you might be dehydrated, you might have headaches, you could have poor sleep, um, which could have a knock-on effect on uh, your running performance, your pace, um, possibly uh, increase your risk of injury because you might be going out running on a hangover. It might affect your digestion. It could make you nauseous. There's lots and lots of symptoms, lots of reasons to manage your alcohol consumption so yeah. Uh, yeah they're they're the things that are popping into my mind Karen yeah and I would totally agree with that Aileen in fact I would I would advise that you didn't go out for a run the day after overindulging in alcohol I know people do but if you have overindulged certainly not going out in the morning just sort of allowing the body and the and the mind to recover first from that overindulgence and those side effects that you've been speaking about alien before then um then going out for a run anyway i think that sort of leads us nicely into our next topic so that's kind of looking at the hints and tips for running through christmas but before we do that alien shall we just take a quick advert break yeah, sure, Karen. So this is the moment in the episode where Karen and I just take a minute out just to tell you a little bit about what we do outside of the podcast. And one of the questions that we're almost always asked by runners is, what do I eat pre, during and after a training run or a race? And as you know, we focus on this a lot during our episodes because we know that if you get this right, you will be fitter, you will be faster, you will be stronger, and you'll recover more quickly, and that'll get you ready for your next run. And um, what we what we did to help people as a sort of companion to our episodes is we designed a free nutrition guide called Top Running Snacks and Nutri- Nutrient Timing, and it's a PDF ebook, and it lists all our suggestions about what and when to eat for pre, during, and post run training. Um, and it's available to you. It's free. It's on our website. And we've had over a thousand runners download the guide so far. And we've had some great feedback. And the guide really just gives you quick reference so you can quickly put our suggestions into action the next time you're out for a run. So if you'd like the free guide, all you need to do is visit our website, which is runnershealthhub.com. 
look at the top menu bar, you'll see free nutrition guide, pop in your email and we'll send over the free guide to you. And if you've had it before and you've lost it, um, ask for it again. We're happy to send it again. And we really hope it helps you. And please, you know, let us know how you get on. And if you've got any questions, drop us an email um, or join our Facebook group and we can answer the questions there. We love getting feedback and we also love suggestions about new free guides. So if you've got any suggestions, let us know and uh, we'll get on with designing another one. Great. Thanks very much for that, Aileen. Okay, so now let's focus on our running through Christmas and um, what do we need to consider to ensure really that our training doesn't get interrupted or certainly doesn't get too disrupted. And I think over the Christmas period, there is definitely a change in most people's routine. Like I was saying earlier, it's not everybody. Um, And that tends to include more socialising, more eating and drinking, as we've already discussed. But also, I think more time is needed and is dedicated to the prep for Christmas, including the buying presents, the wrapping presents, the writing cards. There's so much to do at this time of year. And I think because of these changes and these commitments, it often means that there's less time and potentially less enthusiasm for exercise. And um, and I think that happens generally. And I don't think we as runners are any exception. I think it happens to, to most of us as well. So what can we do to ensure our training doesn't suffer this Christmas? Well, here are just a few ideas um, that I've come up with. So thinking about managing our food and intake, as, as we've already discussed, so that we do have the energy and the motivation to, to carry on running, to be able to run. So really thinking about the hints and the tips that we've given you already regarding food and alcohol over that Christmas period. Maybe thinking about um, reducing the amount of endurance runs that you do um, and and maybe thinking more about um, hill drills and interval and tempo sessions. So these are sort of more high effort, but low time. So you're still getting a really good workout, but it's not going to take up so much precious time. And I think also it could fit in nicely um, on days when you do have um, social commitments, um, say, in the evenings or, or at any point in the day, you can go out for a, a, a quick technical run of some kind and then you've still got plenty of time to socialise. And also uh, another potential suggestion for some runners are if you're an evening runner, thinking about moving your training sessions to the morning so that you can still meet up with your family and friends. You've still got that um, potential to to socialise in the evenings. And the biggest tip I can give really is to still ensure that um, that you get adequate sleep um, if you know especially if you know you're going out one or two evenings in a week ensure you go to bed a little earlier on the nights that you're not going out um, and I would say especially on the nights following an evening out and, and I think the reason I want to say this is because accumulating sleep when you can just might help you be able to cope better on the days following a lack of sleep. So if you're able to accumulate sleep, the effects following a night out might not be as great. So um, 
So I think that would be my key message. And, and, and as we know, adequate sleep and quality sleep is really important for running performance. So, so really thinking about that. Uh, what about you, Aileen? What would you add here? Um, well, one of the things that's coming to mind is to actually, um, you know, think about the festive period and think about what your training plan is going to be over that period of time. So you might want to plan something out yourself. You know, you gave some good suggestions there, Karen, about, you know, maybe you're not going to do what you normally do. So if you're going to mix it up, what are you going to do? Um, or perhaps you could look at for a training plan online. Um we all know uh, that having a training plan can really help us when we're trying to focus on a goal. So um, I think that would be a really good suggestion. And research suggests that having a training plan during the festive period could be a strategy to avoid weight gain if, if that's something that's particularly of concern to you. And it might not be a concern. Maybe it's just that you want to keep up with levels of fitness. Um, so what the research is, is suggesting is that a supervised training plan uh, is really helpful. Um, so if you've got access to a running coach, that would be ideal. Um, but that's sometimes something that none of us can commit to, um, although maybe it would be a nice Christmas gift to yourself to have a coach. Um, I'm just thinking that myself. I'm like, yes, a good idea. It's a good time to do something different. Um, but perhaps maybe having a, a, a running buddy, there's somebody that, you um, run with um, during the year maybe you could both do a run plan over Christmas um, that you could both follow and that would keep you accountable even if you're not together one of the things I did during uh, the really heavy lockdown was I still worked with um, a running coach we weren't physically together we were on the telephone <laughs> and <laughs> I'd be running in one location and he'd be running in another location, but he would be putting me through my paces and that worked really well. So you yeah. could do that with a friend, um, mm -hmm. no problem at all. That would, I think that would work quite nicely. Mm -hmm. um, if you can't run, then walk. Um, so I think, you know, running just isn't always possible, especially as you pointed out, you know, after a night out or maybe if you've got guests staying maybe you could do a walk with them instead um, I think the really important thing is to be physically active in some way um, a walk in the morning is great for clearing your head um, particularly if you've got guests staying you you might want to have a little bit of me time on your own or maybe you somebody else in the, the household would would enjoy going for a walk with you at some point during the day and just try to walk briskly uh, for a, at least a 30 minutes um, and that will get your heart rate up so any kind of activity is going to really be helpful but I think you know the important message from all of this Karen is uh, whatever happens don't beat yourself up and if you can't achieve what you'd like to on any given day just let yourself off the hook and get back on track as soon as you can and I think that goes for eating and drinking too yeah. you know if you have an indulgent moment or an indulgent day just be kind to yourself. Tell yourself it's okay. You know you're going to get back on track. And, um, you know, Christmas doesn't last all year. Yeah, yeah. I really like that approach, Aileen. I think it's when we beat ourselves up that we tend to move into the downward spiral. Um, but by talking positively to ourselves, so letting ourselves know it's okay, I ate that mince pie. I enjoyed that mince pie, but I'm not having another one. And I think that can really help get us back on track um, so much more easily and also quickly. So I really like that. Yeah. 
Okay, Karen. So I think um, we're going to have to round it up. We've had lots of uh, tips from you, which has been really helpful. Um, we've looked at lots of different ways that everyone can hopefully keep running through Christmas while still enjoying the festivities of this time of year. Um, so we're at that time of the episode, Karen, to uh, round up the top tips and uh, share with what people can can do. So can you tell us our top tips and takeaways for today, please? Yes. What I was thinking was I'll maybe pull out six because we've got lots and lots of different tips there and I think they're all valuable. So I thought maybe I could pick out six um, just for people to to think about as as the episode ends. So my first one would be sort of follow the 80-20 rules, sort of eating healthy 80% of the time and indulging in something that you enjoy 20% of the time. Don't skip breakfast because, um, as we know, this could potentially lead to making poor food choices and or eating too much later in the day. Alternate each alcoholic drink with a glass of water. Now, this could reduce the amount you drink overall, but could also reduce the dehydration that's um, associated with alcohol and the effects of dehydration as well. Think about downsizing your um, drink by serving it in a smaller glass. And this can make a a significant difference, I think, especially when um, drinking wine because of the size of the wine glasses these days. Uh, reduce the amount of endurance runs that you complete and maybe include more hill drills, interval tempo runs instead so that you're still getting that high high effort, but it's low in time. But really, I think the most important message um, is the one that you you gave Aileen at the end. It's just not to beat yourself up if you can't achieve what you would like to on any given day. Just let yourself off the hook, but then get back on track as soon as you can so those would be my my key my six takeaways oh thanks Karen that's been really helpful and um you know I think helping us all plan our festive eating drinking and running today will really help us stay fit and healthy over the festive period so next in our next episode um we'll be looking at festive foods with a healthy spin of course so we're in a little bit of a a Christmas theme uh, during December. Um, So we're really looking forward to everyone joining us next week. Um, So thanks again, Karen, for the six top tips for running through Christmas. And uh, as I said, I hope all the tips will help everyone make appropriate choices so that you can enjoy Christmas and, and still be able to enjoy your running. And remember, everyone, don't let nutrition be the limiting factor in your running performance. Well, this brings us to the end of another episode of She Runs, Eats, Performs, brought to you by Runners Health Hub, helping female runners to be fitter, faster and stronger. We really hope you've enjoyed listening and you'll join us again soon. In the meantime, we'd be so grateful if you check us out on iTunes and leave a review. And once again, thanks for listening and do let us know if there are any topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Bye for now. We'd like to introduce you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear for Women's Changing Bodies, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. We think they have everything a female runner needs. First of all, they are high compression to support your legs and bum. 
They have a deep waistband so they stay up and they don't move about when you run. There's a handy left pocket for your phone and a zip pocket on the waistband which is great for your cards or a key. They also have a hidden tracker pocket for storing a GPS tracking device and this is a unique safety feature. All Amazing Jane designs, including tanks and tops, are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. Karen and I have been trialing wearing their range for a few months and we can happily recommend them. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners' special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Thanks again to Amazing Jane Activewear for being our show sponsor and for sharing discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases.